0: Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. All right. Hey, can I, can I just mention something that's on my heart before I really dig in? If, if you've got your Bibles in your hands, uh, you can grab them open to Matthew chapter three. But we just sang a song uh, where the bridge of the song says all the angels cry, holy is the Lord God, and then all the earth replies, holy are you. Do you remember we just sang that? Uh, that's pretty good, you know? That's pretty great. Um, the, uh, that's, that's, from, um, that's from the book of Revelation. And that's talking about what the angels are right now doing is they are standing in the presence of God and they're, they're seeing his greatness and then they're exclaiming it to the earth. You hear this? And so, and so what, what is supposed to happen is that, is that the earth is supposed to answer back with a greater sound of praise than the angelic one that started it. Okay? Because here's, here's why I say greater is the angels are in the presence of God beholding his glory, but the angels um, didn't have Jesus, the Lamb of God, died for their sins. Jesus died for our sins. And so the earth's reply back is the reply of the adopted sons and daughters who were in darkness but are now our light. So it's a greater sound. It's a greater sound. And so there's, there's got to be... There's got to be a restlessness in our hearts for an angelic sound to be greater than the, the sound of the redeemed. So I loved what, what Pastor Phillips said. He is not responsible for your worship. I love that. And we're gonna gonna stand before God one day and, and we're gonna have to give account for, hey God, you saved me, you wiped away all my sins, you gave me hope and a future when I had none, I was literally running from you, I literally wanted you dead, I literally wanted to sit on your throne, but you loved me where I was and while I was your enemy, you adopted me. And then the, 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 the natural response to that kind of thing is a sound that's supposed to come from our lives that, that doesn't just rival the angelic one, but, but uh, makes it as if it were nothing. So this is, when we're talking about biblical worship, biblical worship, uh, Revelation says, all the angels cry out, holy is the Lord God. And all the earth replies, holy are you. wow guys this is so much bigger than we know like welcome to 2020 uh welcome to biblical reality this is so much bigger than we know and so um it is just on my heart that in, in 2020 like this is this is the first Sunday that we get um in 2020 and I just want our hearts to be wildly open um to the greatness and the holiness of God you know Holy are you, holy are you. God, wow, you're holy. Whoa, I think I'm going to shout, you're holy. Uh, so do you know that, that the, the holiness of God uh, just means that he is better than everything combined, multiplied by 100 uh, infinity? Do you know that? There is a number that is 100 infinity. It's, it's, it's massive, and God, God is better than that number. All right? And so that our hearts would come alive to that. Don't you want your heart to come alive to that? Yes. Yes. Don't you want your hearts to come alive to that? I'm not going to give up on you guys today. All right. All right. Do you know what? Um, I'm a Redskin fan, but I've kind of given up. I I haven't given up on them in my heart, but I am kind of cheering for the Ravens because I like Lamar Jackson. All right. Right. Yeah. So, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys came more alive to that than... Then, uh, I, 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 I don't want to shame, but I do want to draw your attention to that. Uh, but uh, so, so the, uh, I am cheering for Lamar Jackson. That guy loves Jesus, man. I like the man. He's as fast as I am. He's good looking like me, you know. And uh, so it's so good. It's like we're twins. Uh, but uh, I, I, I love that. I, I watched, um, I watched the, the greatest move of the spirit that I've seen in 2020 so far is that the Patriots, Patriots fall to the Titans last night. That was so nice. Yeah, and, uh, and I was watching it. Here's the crazy thing. I saw, I saw grown men, grown men and their wives bundled up in the, in the Boston air outside, all right? And they're out there t- past midnight. And they, they're crazy, screaming, crying, yelling, <laughs> wanting their team to win, cheering when it happens, screaming at the refs when the refs get it wrong, so they think. More engaged, it's our hearts are wired to worship. Our hearts are wired to come alive to what we see is valuable, what we hold is valuable. The, there, there are affections that are built into your soul. And if you don't feel them in church, it's just that they're not turned on to the right thing. They, they, that we care more about small things like Lamar Jackson's 40-40 time. Then then the cry coming at us, the angels are saying to us, holy is God, we see him. We behold his glory right now, and he died for you, not for us. And there's got to be a cry that comes back from the earth that that, that shows the greatness and fame of God again. So I want to operate in that. And I want church to be at least 100 infinity times crazier than a Patriots game. It's got to be. It's got to be. So I want to speak that uh, at the beginning of 2020. And uh, it's really good. You guys want to hear what's on my heart for, for 2020? There's, there's so many things. I want, us, I want Jesus to be everything to us. I want us to take up our cross and follow him. I want us to say everything comes against us. I want us to be able to cry out and say Jesus is greater. But there's three things on my heart for 2020 that are really resting on me. I thought I'd I'd toss them out at you. This is a little bit underdeveloped. If it seems like it's a little, you know, like I wish I had like three more days on this on this message, honestly. Uh, But uh, I have preached about four times in the past two weeks and that, that, that's a lot of preaching for me, uh, all different messages. <laughs> so I wish I had a little bit more time uh, on this one, but I really believe that in 2020 what God is doing and is what he's calling us to do is he's calling us to pioneer revival, okay? Uh, he's calling us to do that and this region needs revival so bad. This, re- this region needs revival m- more than we need schools, Okay, this region needs revival more than we, we need. Uh, I was just in an awesome grocery store. I forget what it is. I think it's oh, Wagmans. All right, they're awesome. I wish Hanover had one, but we need revival more than that. All right, we need revival more than downtown parking. We need revival more than we need new, uh, uh, you know, uh, Chromebooks for our, our students. We need revival more than we need programs for our kids. We need revival, guys. I believe that God's calling our church 2020 to pioneer this. The winds of the Spirit are blowing. He wants to teach us what it is to stop striving and start hoisting sails and and resting in his move and celebrating it. So pioneering revival. And that's the kind of church that I want us to be. I want us to be so alive uh, to his heart. Uh, I believe that God's calling us in 2020 to build people. I think a lot, a lot of us and a lot of the ministries we've come out of, uh, we've actually, in our, in our heart of hearts, we think it's spiritual when we're tearing somebody down instead of building somebody up. But I wanna be the kind of person that, that sees the gold and the, and the worst person that sees the image of God that is maybe buried under there somewhere in the muck and mire of life. And we, we see the gold in people, and we see the image of God in people, and we, we see what God can do in, a, in persons now and future, and we begin to build into them. We see people grown and discipled in 2020 like we've never seen. I, I really, really see that for 2020. Uh, but here's another one. Uh, and I also believe that as a church um, that, that we really need to become family. Um, and that we would have a family here and that we would have extended family, and that we would know what it is to welcome in people that maybe don't come to Providence, but they're visiting in the area, and we welcome them in. Maybe it's from the mission field. Maybe it's from somewhere. But we learn how to do life as family, to love as family, to battle as family, to move forward as family, and that God really teaches us how to do that. Those are the three things I just held up for. Uh, wait, one, two. Oh, wait, there's throughout. <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, distracting me. Uh, but uh, there's three things that... Pioneer Revival, build people and become family. Those are, those are things on my heart that I, I believe that God is doing in our day. And I think that we're gonna, there's going to be a, a building of excitement for th- those things. And I think that this time next year, we're going to look back on 2020 and say, it wasn't easy, but wow. Okay. I really believe that God's going to do that. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. So this first Sunday in 2020, I just want to lay a foundation for some of those things. And there's sometimes you don't just jump right into revival and you don't jump just straight into, like, wow, people are being built. Wow, we are just family. Just saying we're family doesn't mean we are. There's things that you have to do first, and there's foundations that you have to lay in order to become that. And so I wanna just begin to plow that ground and do the hard work of breaking up the ground, breaking up some things that we've thought, starting out, there's some things that you do at first, right? So we, we don't hand keys to 10 year, 10 year olds, right? Uh, because they're, you know that, that, that wouldn't be good. You train people first, there's some things that you do at first, you, you, don't, you don't reap a harvest before you plant a seed, you plant seeds first, you water the seed, you care for the seed, then you reap a hard, harvest. So God uh, is, uh, is calling us to do the hard work of walking in uh, this awesome year that God is going to be pouring out. All right? Diluzia, I'm sorry. Grab your Bibles, Matthew chapter 3. And I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read. We'll, we'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll stop it at the end of the whole book. I don't know. Let, let's read for a while here. It's actually... Uh, Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 is the whole chapter. But here's what it says. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now look at this first. Here's the first message from the forerunner, the person who is blazing the trail for the Messiah. The message that he preaches is a message of repentance. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming. Repent. You want to prepare your heart for the kingdom? Repent. For this is... This is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, and this is, this is a, a, a quote from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, okay? Isaiah the prophet is prophesying of the coming Messiah, and he's actually specifically here prophesying of John the Baptist who will come uh, before the Messiah as a forerunner. And here's uh, Isaiah's prophecy. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. How does that happen? How did John the Baptist do that? Uh, a message of repentance. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. That's what I've been eating lately, all right? That's the secret to my success, all right? Uh, then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were, they were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. Yes, this is how you start. You don't jump on the train and and hope to have affections for Jesus before you've repented of your sins. You want revival? Repent fast. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, this is a wild guy, he's wearing camel skin, he's got honey on his lips, and he's screaming at the religious people. And he's saying this, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? (laughs) Wow. This is not the guy that would get invitations to other churches to preach. This is not that guy. Keep him out in the woods. We don't want him here. Yeah, say nice things. Prophesy illusions. Okay. Look at verse 8. Bear bear fruit in keeping with repentance, is what John says. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, because that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees were saying. We got Abraham as a father. We're in. We're sons. We're daughters. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. As every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me, and this is Jesus, and here's how he describes Jesus. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. That Jesus said of John that among those born of women John is the greatest man to have ever lived. And here John is saying, I'm not worthy to untie or carry the sandals that Jesus wears. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. That's a lot. Let's stop there. How about it? All right? We'll keep going a little bit later if we get there. But I want to talk about what we just read here this morning because I believe that this is a year where God's going to be pioneering re- revival in this region. The, the gates of hell are going to stand against this. But God's church is going to advance and prevail. I know it. It's, it's already paid for. All right. People will be built. We're going to become family. And we're going to work that out. But what has to happen as the foundation to all of those things is you can't have a vision, you can't dream dreams without, if it's not on a foundation that actually holds when it's hard. And I want to talk about what prepares a heart for revival, what prepares a heart for a a new move of God in our day. That God doesn't want us just looking back to revivals of old or just looking back and saying, wasn't that great back then when? But God wants to give us new dreams and do new moves that, that people that are going to come after us are going to look back and say, man, they set a standard for righteousness. Man, they set a standard for revival. When it was hard, they pressed in and whoa, I wish I could be a part of that move. That's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. So what prepares a heart for revival, what prepares a church for a new move of God is, hey, listen to this one, buckle up for this one. It's repentance. It's repentance. It's repentance. This it's it's a foundation for revival. It's a foundation for move. It's a foundation for family. I talked to a man, he's one of the greatest men that I I know, but he had to go through all kinds of healing because he had a dad that never once said, I love you, never once hugged him, and never once even said, I'm sorry. And many of us, we know this kind of pride that we refuse to be wrong. And here's the crazy thing. So many of us, and I'm learning this in my own life, and I'm learning this in other people's lives as we're doing lives like family. So many of us, we don't even see that we need to repent when we in fact do. And it is the problem holding everything up. Repent. Repent. It's John the Baptist's first sermon. And if you flip over chapter, you know, to Matthew chapter 4, you'll find in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, that it's actually Jesus' first sermon. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' what Je, Jesus' first message, his first fruits of his, of his ministry career and John the Baptist was repentance. What, what's holding you back from feeling things for Jesus? I, I would say repentance. That's a great place to start. Repent, verse 2, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' first sermon. John's first sermon. See, and John's baptism was actually a baptism of repentance. Okay, you see this? Look at verse 6. He's, he, people are, are baptized, confessing their sins. John is the forerunner preparing the way for Jesus. How is the way prepared for Jesus? Repentance. Repentance is not feeling bad and shameful and telling yourselves that I'm a dirty, rotten, no good nothing. You're not a nothing. You're an image bearer. You don't have to be a Christian to be valuable. You are valuable as an image bearer, whether you believe in Jesus or not. Okay, repentance isn't undermining the good stuff that God has built into you as an image bearer, it's not that. Repentance is agreeing with God and saying, God, I have valued and loved other things over you. And I haven't been sorry. I've actually wanted those things that are inferior over you who are superior. And repentance is saying, hey, God, I'm coming into alignment with your heart, your word, your life, your mind, that you are better than all of these things. And I'm sorry that that I have dishonored you by choosing inferior things over you who are superior. And repentance is getting in line with that. And what comes out of a life of repentance, verse 8 says, uh, when... When uh, John the Baptist is screaming at the Sadducees and Pharisees, (laughs) he says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You say that you've repented. If you have, fruit will come out of your life, the fruit of repentance. But I don't see it. That's why I'm screaming at you, John is saying. All right? Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I'd like to uh, dig into a little bit here where, where John is saying, I baptize you with water for repentance. Okay? But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, we, we know nothing about that these days. Um, we, we, we've been taught, uh, you know, uh, did you get baptized? I got dunked. What's about this baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire that John the Baptist talks about? <laughs> who cares? right who cares but here John is talking about this baptism this baptism of, of, of repentance it, it is, it is, this, uh, it is symbolic of, of dying to sin and being raised to live for God all of my life is all for you but the, the, the part that says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire is pretty wild now part of this is, is prophetic it comes from the book of Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 would you like me to read that for you Okay, it says this, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. This is a a prophetic word about John the Baptist. Okay, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. And the Lord whom you seek will, will suddenly come to his temple. All right, after the way is prepared by John the Baptist, then the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now listen to verse two. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. This is what Jesus does. Jesus shows the heart of the Father and he reveals the Father's heart, and it's really good. But also, part of Jesus' ministry is to burn away anything that is not of him. Part of Jesus' ministry is to burn anything that is not of him out of you. And things that are not of him get into us. I just read this morning when I was up with Jesus, the first fruits of my day, very early. Uh, we had there were a bunch of kids in our neighborhood that were terrorizing my house last night. <laughs> I didn't get any sleep. Do we call the cops? Do I go out there with a bat? Uh, you know what? What do I do? They're knocking on our door at one in the morning. They're screaming. They're running up and down. Our, so I, I didn't get I didn't get any sleep. But I got up early anyway and I spent time with Jesus in Ezekiel chapter 14. And do you know what Ezekiel chapter 14 is about? It's about Elders trying to leave the people, lead the people, but they have idols in their hearts. They have idols in their hearts. Jesus came to burn that stuff out, to cleanse us. We get stuff in us that's not of God. And part of Jesus' ministry is to say, "Hey, I'm better than this, and I can actually release you of this. I am a refining fire. I am a fuller soap. It's not fuller soap is what they would use back in the day before washing machines when they'd actually wash their stuff with soap in like a a stream or something. And then they would beat that stuff out of their clothes. This is what Jesus does sometimes like, hey, awaken to my greatness. I'm a refiner's fire. My family in this season is is experiencing the refining fire of God. We are getting hungrier for God than ever, but it's coming through fire. It's coming through fire. I'm not going to get into all the details, but I'm going to say part of the, the fruit of this fire is the other day I went down to the basement, the, the place where my son Ethan used to spend, you know, a few hours on playing Fortnite. All right. Hello, anybody? All right. And, uh, and I'm downstairs in the basement. Ethan turns on his PS4. He goes to Fortnite. He had been fasting from it for, what, two and a half months on his own. We didn't ask him to. He just did it. And then he turns on Fortnite and he deletes it. I'm like, Ethan, whoa, 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 what are you doing? That represents hundreds of dollars. I know, Dad. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ethan, what are you doing? That represents about 100 infinity hours. (laughs) I know, Dad. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Like for Christmas last year, you were asking for for money for V-Bucks. There's investment in this game. Dad, I've got to get it out of my life, he says. Wow. (laughs) Wow, this, this, this doesn't happen easily. This happens with real genuine repentance, and it's a result of, of the fire of God that has to fall on a life and burn away all the dross, burn away all the stuff that isn't gold in you, they, that burn away the stuff that's clouding the vision. Do you know the the parable of of the the sower and the seeds? And and there's some seeds of God's word, some seeds of God's heart, they get crowded out by by the worries, cares, and pleasures of this life. And it's drowning out the good. And repentance is coming and saying, uproot it all. I just want God in my life. Acts chapter three, verse 19 to 20, Peter is preaching. And when the people are like, what do we do? He says, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. But it doesn't just stop there. That would be good news. Repent, turn, sin's gone. Yes, as far as the east is from the west, yes. But it doesn't stop there. Repent therefore, turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Listen what happens as a result that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So part of, part of what we're doing uh, going after the presence of God is we are repenting of what would keep us from him if if so, if you have you don't have any taste for God. You're like, ah, we're just singing songs. It does nothing for me. I bet you there's stuff in your life that's, that uh, that needs to be repented of that would usher in the presence of God. And I know for me that half of my worship, at least every single Sunday, is repentance. God, Holy Spirit, bring stuff to my mind. I'm like, God, take that. God, I'm sorry for that. God, I spoke too quickly. God I, was, God, I was just so stupid. God, I was, and I'm repenting. And then that is where tears flow. That is where the presence of God falls on me in worship. Repent, therefore, turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Listen, God wants you to be refreshed. Refreshment doesn't come with, uh, with vacations only. Refresh, refreshment comes first from the foundation of repentance biblically. man. Okay, thank you. I will keep going. Man, that's a good word. Hey, so, so here's another foundational thing. repent. I could talk about that all day, but for my next uh, few moments, I want to pop into a couple more things. But here's another, here's another thing that we've got to learn this year. If we're going to walk in the good stuff that God has for us, God's given us words for 2020. I love that. God's given us other stuff. But if we're going to, another foundational thing is that we have to learn to cease from striving. Okay. And when I said that we really don't know, we, we know what, you know, water baptism, we, we know, uh, you know, we know I baptize you with water for repentance, but he, meaning Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus baptizing with the Holy Spirit and fire are the things we don't talk near as much about as, as John's baptism. And I, I think that, that one of the fruits of that is that we know a kind of Christianity where we've been forgiven for our sins and now we have to try to work hard. But... Well, if we go to back to Acts chapter three, verse 19, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. And the next part of that isn't that we would experience times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. It would be Jesus did so much for you. The least you can do is live for him. And, and that's, that's religion masquerading as, as holy. That is not how God calls us to. God calls us to a life where he fills us with his spirit and then and striving can cease in that context. Where the Christianity is less rowing your boat and, and more hoisting a sail to the Spirit and sitting back and enjoying the ride. But we know this kind of thing where we're cranking, we're trying to live for Jesus, we're, we're rowing. But interestingly enough, when Jesus' disciples were trying to row across the, the, the sea, going against the, the wind, they were going nowhere. And so many of our lives are going absolutely nowhere because we refuse to believe that, th- that the Holy Spirit wants to work on our behalf instead of us working on our behalf. You didn't work for your salvation and you cannot work for your sanctification. We have to know that the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to know what it is to say, God, hoisting a sail, catching the wind, moving forward, you're taking the hills, you're doing all of the advancement, you're baptizing me in your spirit. A sailboat doesn't try to move. A sailboat just moves when the wind does. A sailor on a sailboat raises a sail to the wind and is moved. A a, a sailor on a sailboat does not try his or her best to move the boat. He or she hoists a sail. And this is what we need to relearn what it is to be moved by the Holy Spirit. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7, the prophet says, it is not by might, it is not by your might, it is not by king's might. It is not by kingdom's might. That's not how this world operates. It is not by might, it is not by power, it's not by your power, it's not by king's power, it's not by parent's power, it's not by official's power, it's not by president's power. That's not how this world operates. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. It is not by might. It is not by power, meaning your power. It doesn't, you don't blow into the sails to move the ship. You hoist the sail and say, Holy Spirit, blow. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. And we need to relearn what this is. The Holy Spirit doesn't just have one job, and that's to help us read the Bible. Do you know that the Bible is, 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 relatively, is a new thing? Do you know in the early church, Acts chapter 2, they didn't say, got it going to Peter's preaching today. I'm excited. Here next week is Paul <laughs> and he's so good. Yeah. And then there's, then there's John up next week. Like I'm so excited. They, they didn't, they didn't have these then. They had the Holy Spirit and they had apostolic teaching in the day and they had to cling to it like this. We have the, we have the Holy inspired and errant Bible <laughs> and we get, we should be alive to the spirit like never before the echo of the early church should bounce off of us and be a billion times louder of us. We actually have the written word of God and we have the Holy Spirit and and Holy Spirit who is God and the Holy Bible who is the word of God should, should be cataclysmic in our lives. But... But we only know, we've only been taught that the Holy Spirit's role is to help us read the Bible so we don't know anything else. And so we actually are confounded when people actually want to do wild and crazy things that maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting them to do. It's, it's not by mind. It's not by power. It's by the Holy Spirit. I, I think that God, what God is doing in 2020 is, is he's, he's releasing us to this, to this thought that biblical leaders are marked mark first. Biblical leadership is being marked first with the ability to follow the Holy Spirit, not lead well. That's, that is first and foremost in any kind of leadership in the church. It's, Getting leadership degrees and having information about leadership does not necessarily make you a good leader. In fact, I would, take, I would take somebody that is full of the Holy Spirit and hasn't been trained well over someone who has been trained well, but doesn't know what it is to follow. So many people, I, I can't follow you. I can't follow that. I disagree with that. I can't follow. I can't follow. I can't follow. Listen, you shouldn't be a leader then because Jesus is the pastor of this church, and the Holy Spirit is the, is, is the he, he wants to empower this church. And if we don't know how to follow them, we're going to only go to worldly places. They want to lead us to, to heavenly realms. They want to lead us to homes, like Pastor Keith was saying. They want to, to people who can't move. The Holy Spirit will lead us there. There. God, where do you want us to go tonight? There's got to be a party in Hanover. There's got to be a Holy Spirit party in Hanover somewhere. Where do you want to lead us? Well, recently when we were handing out turkeys at Thanksgiving, God led us to house nine on a certain street in Hanover. And that house nine was a single mom who didn't have a meal for her three daughters for Thanksgiving. And we didn't plan that. We didn't know about them. Just the Holy Spirit led us to her, and she buckled under a weight of the presence of God and began to cry. And we, we got her in touch with Love Lives, and we, we got a new dryer, we got her food, we, got, we started emptying out the covers of, I've got two daughters, what do your daughters need? What toys do you need? Even last night, my wife put a big garbage bag together to just bless that family with. We didn't find her on our own. We hoisted a sail and said, where's the party at, Holy Spirit? in Hanover where's where's the party at tonight and we've got to learn like when we're operating with literally the the winds of the spirit in our sails of life do you guys get this analogy when our life is being blown by the winds of the spirit suddenly striving ceases and that's why I said in 2020 we've, we've got to learn to cease striving like striving ceases when you're just God you got me God, there's nothing that I could do to make you love me more or less now that I'm adopted in your family, covered by the blood, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Lead me by your spirit, like I, I spirit. I'm yours. Lead me. No striving. There is no striving anymore. There's no striving. And that's the kind of church I don't want us to be frantic and stressed. How many of us know the weight of stress and of stress and of stress? And I want us to know the, the release and freedom of, of the kind of life that just doesn't even know what it is to stress anymore. Where there's no striving. There's just leading. I hoisted a sail and I'm moving forward. And wow, God, you've got this. It sounds crazy, but is it not biblical? <laughs> is it not Biblical. That this is the kind of life that God's calling us to. Nowhere in the scriptures does he say, try hard once you're saved. Strive hard, strive, 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 strive. Wear yourself out striving. In fact, if you, if you just flip over to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about your life. You, listen, striving won't add another day to your existence. You've got to know that your Father loves you. You've got to know that there's winds of the Spirit in your sails, and that has to be the reality of your existence. No striving in 2020. Just, Holy Spirit, I want to know you more. I just welcome you into my life. Fill me, use me, bless me, send me. Here's another thing, though, is in 2020, Here's a foundational thing. we got to learn to cease striving. we got to know what it is to be moved by the Holy Spirit. We have to, uh, if, we have to, if we want to prepare our hearts for a revival, we, we have to operate in repentance. But we also, in 2020, we have to get free of ourselves. We have to get free of ourselves. Matthew 3.11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Now, this isn't self-loathing here that John the Baptist is talking about. This is operating in the biblical reality that I'm not first. I'm not first. He who is coming after me, meaning the Messiah, I'm the forerunner, John says. The one coming after me, you know what? You need to forget about me and put everything on him. He's co- who's coming after me is mightier than I am. God used me in a certain capacity, but that capacity was just to set your hearts 100% on him. Jesus has to be everything. Can't be 80% Jesus, 20% John the Baptist. All or nothing, all in Jesus. And John humbly and will, willingly said that. He, he also said this, Listen, this guy is so great that I'm not worthy to carry his dirty shoes, the, the Gospel of Mark, chapter one, verse seven, uh, uh, John the Baptist says it this way: "After me comes he who is mightier than I. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I'm not worthy to get down at Jesus' feet and take dirty. People didn't drive cars back then. They wore sandals that were all they're filthy, and it was a servant's job. And usually servants were not even Jewish. They were they were outside Israel. Okay." And it's the service job to wash feet. It's a service job to untie shoes. It's a service job to carry them to be cleaned. And here John is saying, "I'm not even worthy to be the servant of Jesus. I'm not worthy. We can't have a theology that says Jesus died on the cross because we were worthy of it. That's not the gospel. Do you hear this? That is, that is an American gospel, but it is not the biblical gospel. The biblical gospel is when we weren't worthy, he who is worthy died for the ungodly. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. And here John is saying, listen, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie his shoes. It's not so much a knock on John. It's not self-loathing. It is an elevation of Jesus. It's an elevation of Jesus. I believe that God's doing something in our lives where we're getting so free from ourselves that, that, we can, that we are fine just elevating Jesus and being forgotten. John chapter three, verse 30. Here's what John the Baptist says of Jesus. He must increase, but I must decrease. What was going on in the context of John chapter three is that John's ministry started out and, and thousands of people were all coming to be baptized by him. Then Jesus gets baptized by John, Okay, and Jesus begins his ministry. Now all the people that were going to John are now going to Jesus, and John's disciples are like, what's up? What's up with this? We're we're losing fame. We're losing a voice. We're losing whatever in our generation. John, 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 what's going on? And John says, man, yeah, here's what's going on. We've forerunned. Now we must decrease, and he must increase. That's what's going on. If leaders at Providence are serving to, uh, serving to increase instead of decrease, you need to be honest about that fast. and Step out of your position until you can healthily serve. So other people see Jesus. Until the people that we serve say Jesus is everything, if they're like 80% Jesus and 20% Nathan, I'm not, I'm not being a pastor. It's, it's like all eyes on the prize, the prize being Jesus. All eyes on him. Any way I can serve. Not— I, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be at in, 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 in shoe level with Jesus. He welcomes me in as a son. He, he, he puts me in, in, in a royal priesthood, but it's because of him. He gets all the glory. Now, what can happen though, listen, listen to this, because here, let me say this as well. It's all eyes on Jesus, but we also have to be the kind of church where, where we can say if God is using somebody else in a way that we were once used, we have to be able to say, That's good. Because the goal is that Jesus would get the attention. I know, let me be super honest with you. When Marcel preached his message on uh, First Fruits, best message on tithing I've ever heard, all right, I got more encouragement about Marcel's message than I ever get from my messages. Honestly, even Keith is even doing it this morning. (laughs) You have to get to the place where you're like, wait, Am I doing this for Jesus or am I doing this for me? And if people are being blessed by Marcel's message on tithing, hallelujah, Amen. come on. Yeah. So many of us, like we're actually, what we're actually doing is, is we cannot celebrate the great ways that God uses great people if that means that we feel less about ourselves. If you feel worse about yourself because somebody else was used in your department, you don't know what it is to be a daughter or a son yet. You don't get your worth by how you're used. You get your worth from Jesus who tells you who you are. You need to know who you are. You need to to live with the identity of who you are. Play with the identity of who you are. Be married with the identity of who you are. And you don't say who you are, Jesus does. Do you know what he says is better than any identity you could bestow on yourself? But here's what, what can happen in a church that really wants these things. And then on top of all of that wants to be be family. We want, well, yeah, we want revival. Yeah, we wanna build people. Yeah, repentance. Yeah, wow, yeah, all these things, yeah. And then let's be family too. It, it's, it sounds good. It's, it's, like a, it's like we all picture Christmas with our kids by a fire, whether we have a fireplace or not, you know. And we're all, we're smoking a pipe in a rocking chair, whether we smoke or have a rocking chair or not, by the fire that we have or not. And we have this idealistic picture of what we think should happen when we save family. And then when it doesn't happen and there's just, you know, craziness on Christmas morning, we're like, this isn't what I dreamt. And when we say we want, we want providence to be a family, it's not going to be exactly be what we dreamt, friends. It's going to be much, much messier with many more tears. But as we operate uh, in, in, a, in a family, here's what God is, is wanting us to get right as our first. Okay? He says family goes like this. Family goes like this. That first and foremost, we have, a, have, have to have a culture where it's the father to sons and daughters, not brothers and sisters to brothers and sisters. I, I hope you can hear that. I hope you, I, let, let me try to explain this more. You can have a family culture without fathers and mothers. You can have a family culture that operates like brothers and sisters. And in that culture, here's the fruit that that culture produces. It, 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 it produces a competitive culture and a comparison culture. So on, on Christmas morning, when one child is opening up one present, all the other kids are looking to see, is that one better than mine? Is that better than mine? Well, I didn't get that one. looking for what present might trump that one. It's a competitive culture. You know, brothers do this. Brothers play together, gotta gotta win all the time. Gotta win all the time. But a brother and sister culture without fathers and mothers in the house, comparison goes crazy. Competition goes crazy. And yes, it's family, but it's not peace. It's not shalom. See what has to happen first if you want to have family is you have to have fathers because here's what fathers do is fathers unlock potential in daughters, fathers unlock potential in sons, fathers are not afraid for their sons and daughters to be great. You hear this? There is no competition in the heart of a father. There's no competition in the father's heart towards his sons and daughters. There's championing, there's cheering on, but there's not competitiveness. And if we want to be family, we first have to go after fathers and mothers that will champion, pull the gold out of people, speak life into people, not be afraid when other people are, are succeeding, saying, actually, the reason that I exist is for you to actually stand on my shoulders and be better than I am. That is a healthy family. That's what mothers do. That's what fathers do. That's what has to happen. Compet- uh, competition has to die. And fathers and mothers have to begin to, to speak up and say, no, 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 that's not the father's voice. You know what the father's voice sounds like? Matthew chapter three, verse 17. Here's what the father's voice sounds like. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. That is the heart of the father's voice. That is what the father speaks over you in the gospel. When you are the righteousness of Christ, the father feels like this about you because this is how he feels about his son. And this is how he feels about his sons and daughters in the kingdom. The father's like, you are beloved, you are mine. I am well pleased with you. This is what happens. If we want to be a family, this is what we have to be speaking. These are the the lenses that we have to be living in. It's not do I agree with you or not. It's what does the Father say in this moment. That is how you become a family. Father, and that is why we're saying in this season, we, we want to become family. We don't want to be led by executives and officials as much as fathers and mothers. And fathers and mothers are carriers of the father's heart. And they speak into a generation, here's what God's doing in your life. You can do this. Be better than me. By all means, be better than me. In fact, I'm going to lay down my whole life so you can be. Because if your life can count for the kingdom more than my could, I could, I'm going to champion that instead of being intimidated by it. This is what this is how we have to lead. This is how we have to lead. We can't sit in our rooms and talk about what we disagree about, mom and dad, and we gotta do that, and all that. That's actually what, what caused rifts and division. And if we want to be family, you know what it is you know what's at the heart of family is unity. And the church has a lot to learn about that one. A whole lot to learn about that one. So I'm just wondering this morning um, who wants this? Like, who, who wants this? Yeah. Man. I, I know, like, here's, here's, do you want me to, can I, can I just be so honest just for a second? Like, what God is doing in my heart, you know that as the fire is falling in my life, as the fire of God is falling in my life and, and just burning out things I didn't even know I had in me, burning out things that, that I didn't even know existed in my family, as, as the Holy Spirit is blowing winds into that fire and just burning us, um, what I want is I wanna be so much less like the church that I've ever known, and I wanna be so much more like the kingdom family of God. So I just, oh man, I just want that. If I'm not a great leader, if I'm not known for my leadership, I do not give a care anymore. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna lead with the heart of my dad. I just, I, that's, that's who I wanna be. That's the kind of church, as we go into Target, and we go into our places of employment, I, I want us to go in and I, the, the fragrance of heaven, that is on us and in us because we've been in the presence of our Father. Because we are actually, are not striving to live life paddling on our own efforts, but we're actually filled to overflowing with God the Holy Spirit on us and coming out of us and in us and sealing us and blessing us and gifting us and making us lovesick for Him. So this is is what we need. Can can you just take a moment right now? I want to ask if there is anything in you that needs to be burnt by holy fire. That does not belong in your heart. Actually, just, just may, maybe you need to put your hand over your heart and say there's idols in here. Maybe you need to hold hands with the person next to you because you are providentially sitting next to a person that you have a problem with, you've been in competition with, you've been in disagreement with, you need to hold their hand. Just do it and reach out. Do something radical for once and hold a hand, put an arm around someone, just reach out, maybe put hands on something, somewhere, heart, up shoulders, grab somebody else and say, we as a church, God, refuse to be a nice business that operates on business principles. We wanna be a revival family that operates on the Father's heart, that just operates on Papa's heart. That our biggest cry isn't to be the best, it's, it's to see you, be seen as great with our lives is to see other people be better than us that is what we want that is the foundation of this year that is the foundation of 2020 for us God let us let God competition has to go it has to be surrendered under the blood of Jesus Christ Um, the idols that are in our hearts that are robbing from yours and hurting you and defaming and dishonoring you they have to go right now we just confess them, we just release them in Jesus' name. The, the, here's something, holy affections have to come back. They have to come back. So God, as idols leave, we pray that the love of the Father would fill every part of our hearts and begin to produ- produce holy affections again in our hearts. It's holy affections that, that we, we just know, we know what it is to be loved And that we live as the beloved and we pour love. We have received the love of the Father, poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5 says. And then we just pour it back on others, and especially on you. This is what has to happen. This is what we want in our hearts. Let holy affections come. Let the love of the Father come. And then let everything else that challenges that be be burnt up under the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would free us from us. I pray that our opinions would feel so much smaller than just wanting to know yours. And we're sorry where our opinions have trumped yours. God, I I pray that this would be a year that is not defined by trying hard and stressing out and having to go on vacation just for just a moment, just to breathe. But I pray that, that this would be a year where we actually know what it is to be driven by winds of your Holy Spirit that we would know what it is to be, have a life driven by spirit winds into the future that you have for us, into the people's lives that you have for us. And that as we find ourselves in those situations that we would actually have something to give because we've been filled with you, all the fullness of God. We bless you. We praise you. We, we want you, God. God, I have high hopes for what you want to do with this group of people. And all the people that we will touch and reach as a result of us not having a church but being the church. God, this has, this this this, is, this has to do with the Holy Spirit moving in us and through us. Not, it just has nothing to do with buildings, even though you're going to use that. You're going to use that, but what we want before a building, God, is, is we want repentant hearts. We want uh, hearts that are filled with your Spirit. We want hearts, God, that, that are not in competition with others but are just free of self, and we just, we just waste our lives on you. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you. If that is what you want this morning, just, just, whether it's in the quietness of your heart or the loudness of your shout, you just, you, just gotta, you have to tell God that this morning. God, this is what we want. This is what we want, God. This is what we want, God. It's going to be scary, but this is what we want. It's going to be hard, God. This is not the easy road. This is the narrow road, but this is what we want. We bless you. We want you. following us fresh in new. We pray, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.